This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD, or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleyjames.com. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices in My Head. Today's show features Phil Keggy and Joshua McLeod of Instruments of Joy, and I thought it'd be fun to start the show today by playing one of Phil Keggy's songs. He did this on the album Illumination with Rex Paul. It's a wonderful album. I highly recommend it. This is the song Don't Hold Back. Don't know. 
Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad that you are here with us again today for what I know is going to be another great conversation on a wonderful topic. I have two great guests in just a moment that I'm going to be speaking with today, Joshua McLeod and the great guitarist, Phil Keggy. We're going to have a conversation about a benefit concert that's coming up on March 6th, and they're going to tell us all about it and some wonderful things happening with Instruments of Joy. Just before we do that, I do want to remind my listeners that on March 28th in Dayton, Ohio, we are filming a music video for my song, Love Our Enemies. And you can find out all about that, ways that you can come and be in the video, ways that you can help financially through Kickstarter, all of that information if you go to rickleejames.com. You can find out more information there or look up Love Our Enemies on Kickstarter and you'll find more about that. Well, that's enough business at the front of the show. Let's get on with our conversation. There are thousands of aspiring musicians in the developing world who lack the necessary resources to purchase quality musical instruments. People living in impoverished communities need the joy and inspiration that music provides. Instruments of Joy a Christian-based 501c3 nonprofit organization collects instruments in Nashville and gives them to needy communities in the developing world. Joshua McLeod, who has worked on relief and development projects in more than 18 countries worldwide, founded Instruments of Joy in 2003. He's here with us for a visit today and to tell us more about the Instruments of Joy and their upcoming benefit concert with Phil Keggy, Audrey Assad, Buddy Green, Jeff Taylor, and Phil Keggy. And we are doubly blessed today to not only have Joshua, but we also have Phil Keggy with us as well to talk about this wonderful benefit concert and the great things that Instruments of Joy is doing. So Joshua and Phil, welcome to Voices in My Head. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Yes, thanks, Rick. It's good to be with you and uh, and also share with our, our listeners today. Well, I am so excited. I have been looking forward uh, to this conversation. I was lucky enough to, to get to sit down and have Joshua on this podcast just a few months ago at the uh, the. Christmas, or not Christmas concert, Keith and Kristen Getty's um, Sing Conference. And there was a Christmas concert that they recorded at the Ryman and Phil Keggy, you were there that night, and it was just a fun event. And uh, so we've, I feel like we're kind of all coming back together to have this conversation today. So I've been looking forward to it for some time. So first question, how have you both been? Been very well, been doing good great grateful to god for the blessings he has bestowed you know uh family and uh you know our faith he carries us and uh blesses us and and then i'm still quite involved in music um maybe not so much on the road these days uh, as i used to be when i was younger but i'm in the studio quite a lot and creating a lot of music with friends mostly collaborations oh terrific well, I'm, I'm certainly glad to hear that. Joshua, how about you? Oh, it's it's been amazing, I guess. You know, getting ready for this concert has been so fun, and to see uh, so many people get involved and engaged uh, for the sake of musicians all around the world has been really fun. And I, I have eight kids, so uh, I haven't had a boring day uh, in the last 20 years. <laughs> but, uh, so it's uh, life is good. It's really good. It was funny you were saying uh, – 
Christmas uh, with with uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, but anytime mm-hmm. they're singing, it's Christmas. That's just that's true. true. Yeah, it's like a gift. That's for certain. Well, and I I remember this past year that the concert that I was at at the Opry House that they filmed for their Christmas concert, and and Phil, you came out and did Silent Night. Um, I it was fun to be able to listen to that track again and again throughout the Christmas season this year. So so yeah, it's it is. It's like Christmas giving again and again. Well. For those who who might not have heard our prior conversation, Joshua, I would love for you to just tell the listeners a bit about Instruments of Joy and where this ministry came from and and some of the good work that it's doing around the world. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, So Instruments of Joy, our mission is to provide quality musical instruments to musicians in need. Um, I had a I've had the opportunity to travel a lot. Um, I've been in 27 countries, uh, kind of on a on a search to study what is God doing around the world. Uh, how do you effectively fight poverty? What is what is um, what's going on around the world? You know, I think um, there's an illustration that I use a lot of times where I'll take a box of 64 crayons and I will say, if this box represents the entire world. How many of these crowns would represent the United States? And uh, and a lot of times, you know, you'll get varying different answers. But a good way to do that is if you take out red, white, and blue uh, in a box of 64 crayons, that would represent the United States. So you still have 61 other crayons in the box. Mm. And in light of that, um, I wanted to see what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah, and uh, and so as part of that, I, I one trip that I took was into Darfur, Sudan, and I, it was the middle of the genocide, and uh, you know a million people were displaced. They're out in the middle of a desert, mm-hmm. and we flew in on a relief plane, and like you. Uh, just you had a guitar. You were mentioning earlier a guitar uh, at a concert. You're like, why? Why do I even have this guitar? Well, I'm on this relief plane into Darfur, Sudan, and I brought a guitar. Hmm. And I, I, I brought that guitar in, and I was meeting with a group of orphans, and I started playing Father Abraham on the guitar, and uh, and we're dancing around. And these are kids whose, you know, whose parents had been killed. I, I actually, I talked to one of the orphans, and I said, so how did you, you know, how did you get to this orphanage? And the kid said, well, the soldiers came in and they shot my parents. And so I came. Ugh. And the other kid that was standing right next to them said, well, how did you get here? Uh, and, and they said, that's the same story for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at these kids and I'm, I'm playing Father Abraham and, I'm, and we're dancing around and I'm just trying to bring any kind of joy or hope mm-hmm. uh, to these kids. And I said to the kids, I said, hey, well, why don't you guys sing me some of your songs? Why don't you tell me uh, and show me, you know, some of the music that that you're singing? And the kid, I'll never forget, he looked right at me and he said, "We forgot all of our songs." Oh, wow! Uh, and and so that, so if, think about that. Imagine yeah. a place of poverty where things are so bad that you forget a song. Um, later on in that trip, I, t- I took that guitar and I was, I was, uh, I was at the church and I was teaching the, the pastor's son how to play guitar just a little bit. I was teaching him some chords and I taught him the song, Jesus Loves Me. You know, just the nursery rhyme, Jesus Loves Me, this I know. And I'll, and I'll never forget, he was like, man, 
that song is so mm. awesome. Like that mm. is the greatest song. So, um, so anyway, what I realized um, in fighting poverty, if you really want to fight poverty, if you want to be effective in fighting poverty, one of the primary needs is to instill hope. Yeah. And if someone doesn't have hope, if the only thing that they've seen is destitution and poverty, if they've lost their song or they don't have something to sing about, it's incredibly important for a musician or an artisan or someone to step into that situation and give someone something to aspire to. Hmm. Because, you know, poverty, it doesn't fight a fair fight. Uh, you, you, you swing at poverty, it's kind of like a cloud. So you, ha- you, can't, you can't just, like, fight poverty. You have to rise out of poverty. And in order to do that, you need something, some inspiration. So whereas... The global community has has been very focused and very uh, good in in many regards of giving clean water, giving food, giving you know shelter and care and things like that. We we do a lot better sometimes in the missional community. And and understand, I've I've been I've done mission work um, for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. I've been on relief planes and and help build projects for orphanages and I, I don't have anything negative to say about healing the body. But healing the body is just healing the body. Uh we also have a soul. And so the idea kind of came for instruments of joy. I'm giving you the long story long here, sorry. <laughs> the idea okay. for instruments of joy was what can I do to not only serve the body but also to help the soul? And I was praying about that one day, and God just said, "Give them instruments, give mm-hmm. out musical instruments." And so since that since that day, I, I think we've given out about 560 instruments in 58 countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, our goal is to give away 10,000 uh, musical instruments. So. Yeah. When I first started, that was pretty audacious. Now I'm like, well, we're over, we're over halfway to a thousand. So maybe this won't be as audacious as I think. Yeah. It is. And I know I've seen at least 200 of those pictures of these mm. these kids, mm. these not only kids but grown-ups with instruments of all sorts. Yeah. And uh, and and also indicated what country they were in. Yeah. You know? And their name. We've been, we've been maturing where now we always have the name and the backstory and the picture for everybody that gets and the instrument. Beautiful. You should see the smiles on these uh, these people's faces, these kids' faces, these adults. and um, It's just wonderful. Uh, I was listening to what Yo-Yo Ma had to say about, you know, musical education. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and he invited James Taylor to come and he sang a, a great hit song of his from 50 years ago. And he was talking about how when you teach children how to play music, it gives them a sense of hope. It gives them a sense of purpose. And it really uh, enlivens their whole existence, their life. It gives them a purpose. And uh, I, I, I was thinking about that today before this interview and that because – uh, my dad got me my first guitar when I was 10. My brother Dave got me my first electric when I was 11. Hmm. And I was encouraged by my parents and my siblings to play music. And I think it protected me in many ways because it was a sort of a shelter for me. Um, I was short, missing a finger, and um, you know I was just this unusual little kid. 
but my guitar was kind of a refuge for me. Hmm. Uh, and through my teenage years, I, I I developed more of a technique on it, and I began to play more and play songs out with bands and everything. And then when I met Jesus in 1970, which is 50 years this week, hmm. 50 years this week. Wonderful. Um, then I really knew I had a spiritual purpose with my music. And so that was better than life itself. I mean, it was wonderful. And I, I, I attribute, because someone took a, a time for me uh, to encourage my music, and then someone also took time for me to encourage my spiritual life, and putting those two things together gave me hope. Yeah. And because I had hope and I had music and I felt loved, you know, by my creator and by my family, and yeah. also opened the door for me to meet the woman who became my wife. So, I mean, mm. it's amazing. It's it's a good thing. It's a good domino effect in a sense. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, too, because, you know, as a songwriter myself, and I started playing when I was, you know, middle of my high school years, mm. and I think you're right. There's something that in me unlocked about ways to express Jesus, you know, and, and ways to express what he was doing in my life and the lives of others that only I think would have happened through learning an instrument and, and being able to play. And, uh, and I think that's a beautiful ministry that Instruments of Joy is offering to people all around the world. It literally is giving voice to people's walk of faith in many ways and maybe even unlocking um, some new doors for them to be able to go through in their faith that they wouldn't have had without this. So um, I know when I first came across Instruments of Joy, uh, it was, again, it was at this SING conference last year, and mm -hmm. it just floored me. I thought I've never heard... Uh, of, of, of a unique of a ministry that was quite as unique as this that that does something this special so ever since then i've i've wondered how can i help how can i be a part of this i'm curious phil um do you remember when when you first became aware of instruments of joy and, and just kind of, of how it spoke to you when you first heard of this ministry well i heard about it and then had the chance to meet both joshua and andrea and we went out to lunch, and um, they told me stories, and you know, it, it, it just resonated with me in a big mm. way. And when they asked if I'd be interested in doing a concert, I said, "Oh, by all means, you know, anything we could do to to help get instruments into the hands of people, uh, especially young people." Mm -hmm. I was all for it. Um, I had been associated with uh, Compassion International now for about 38 years. And the first couple children my wife and I sponsored, they've probably got kids. Maybe they have grandkids by now. I don't know. But they're they're definitely grown up. And then we've continued on sponsoring other children. And on one of the uh, trips abroad that I took, I've been to Haiti a couple times, in Ecuador, in Honduras. Um, in Haiti in particular, I, I took a classical guitar down there with me. Hmm. And there was a young kid, probably 12 years old, he said, I would love to play the guitar so I could worship God and lead others to, to sing to God. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he said, but I don't have a guitar. And, and before I left, I left it with him. It was a Tama guitar. I think it was the guitar I used on my Master in the Musician album, mm -hmm. 1978. <laughs> and it was a really fine little guitar. And uh, his face just lit up. 
And I felt like that was the purpose of that whole trip, mm. was to put this guitar into the hands of this young Haitian boy. Mm. Mm. And then about five years ago, I got a phone call from Boston. And um, actually, the person, the man left the message for me. And I listened to it and left a number. And I called this individual. And it happened to be that boy, grown up <laughs> and leading worship in a church in Boston. Wow. He moved to the United States. You know, the, the work of Compassion International not only brought him hope, education, and a future, but also enabled him to be able to come to this country. Hmm. And um, this is just a beautiful story. But he said, you're, you're the person that gave me that classical guitar. Wow. Hmm. And, and it was a beautiful story. So this happened back in, I think I was on, on the road with Randy Stonehill when we went to Haiti the first time with West Stafford and let's see who else was with us. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the star from England, Richard, Cliff Richard. Uh huh. He's like the Elvis of Europe. <laughs> today he was, he was with us on that trip too. And, uh, so it's a great story. And, um, so I feel like what I did then, and I have given guitars away to others as well. And uh, uh, it, it just there's a real sense of fulfillment in that. So go ahead, Ned. So my idea wasn't original at all. You've already got it. Oh. <laughs> well, and, 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 and lots of people, I mean, that's the thing that is uh, the same way. So that I told you a story that was kind of where I realized the need for hope. Um, and the, and the power of music to do it. Like by, by playing Father Abraham, I could see the light reawaken in, mm. in kids' hands and teaching somebody how to play Jesus Loves Me, like in the midst of this thing. And it sounds so weird, but it was so, it was so beautiful. But when I was in the orphanage in Malawi on our website, there's a video, the Instruments of Joy video that kind of gives the overview of, of what, where the ministry started. I met a kid that, was like this orphan in, uh, or, or this, I don't know if it was an orphan, a kid in Haiti, mm-hmm. but he had an instrument that he had fashioned out of a gas can and a block of wood. Hmm. And it wasn't a Tama guitar. It wasn't, <laughs> uh, it, it really, at its very best, sounded like a broken ukulele. Mm-hmm. And we take the tools that we have such unlimited access to, like a quality musical instrument or even a guitar that will stay in tune. We take that so for granted. So I'm looking at this kid playing a gas can, a block of wood in an AIDS orphanage where he's bringing hope and the light through this, you know, broken ukulele thing and i have three guitars in my bonus room collecting dust and now i gotta go am i really are those guitars in my bonus room collecting dust adding more value to the world Mm -hmm. than this kid with a broken gas can guitar and i couldn't and 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 the answer is no so i went home and i asked god i was like okay god which which of these guitars do you want me to give and God said, give your best. So hmm. I, took my, I took my best guitar and I shipped it to that kid. So now that kid with a broken oh. gas can guitar has my really nice Alvarez. That I spent. <laughs> but that's he, how he received it. He got, I've got his photo. Oh, good. So, uh, so that's really how Instruments of Joy started. Oh, was, is, I mean, for me, 
it was just saying, hey, I have capacity to do something. And then my sister found out that I was doing that. And uh, she did a yard sale. And then they gave us like another three guitars. So we not only sent one guitar to that orchard, we sent like four. And then some other people found out we had eight. And now since that time, uh, I've, I've had <laughs> so many instruments transport. So God only had me give one. So, uh, but you're a conduit. Well, everybody's got everybody. We have mm-hmm. we have something we can do. I mean, I think, um, but the idea of the concert, which mm-hmm. is what is blowing my mind, is the the concept is what if we had musicians here willing to gather and have a night of music, from which that community gathering of music would allow dozens or more communities all over the world to have their own music and so that's what this concert is going to do our goal is to get a hundred musicians equipped from this one concert and already with ticket sales and things like that we've already got enough to send out 65 yeah and we still got three weeks till the concert so talk about the other artists that are going to be on the oh yeah so okay so this is our you know we're instruments of joy and we we, we made a decision to put our head down and be really good at doing what we did, not just talking about it. Mm-hmm. We were horrible fundraisers. <laughs> but uh, I just started praying, and I was like, God, I want to do a concert, a benefit concert, and who's the person that I would – who would I want to get? And, and the name that came to my brain is Phil Kagey. And I thought, well, I don't know Phil King. I don't know how that's going to happen. And so I just, I live in Nashville. I started asking around, like, does anybody know Phil Kagey? So then we get we get connected with Phil, and he does he does lunch with us through various and sundry channels of, you know, the breaking through the grid. And mm-hmm. and uh, there's no grid. <laughs> I don't want everybody to think they could just get a well. Uh, but but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll so, be giving out Phil's number at the end no, of the show. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so then, uh, oh, actually, there was another guy. You know who I talked to? Was Scott Mulvihill. Oh yeah. So okay. Scott Mulvihill, um, I said I said Scott, would you be part of this? And he was like, absolutely. But then he had a conflict. And then once you got Phil Kagey on the line, you could get anybody else in the whole world. So now we got Audrey Assad. Yeah. And uh, Buddy Green and Jeff Taylor, and and I can't even believe. I mean, for me, what I, I don't, I don't. So talk about this. Artists. The reason why people admire artists is because of the inspiration that they bring them. I, I think mm-hmm. maybe so. I think so. So oh, we yeah. geek out about man. I'm doing an interview with Phil Kagan because you have this art that you can. You can inspire people and you can reach people. Um, and I also think about the, the kind of the restoration and the hope that happens through music and particularly music that's, uh, I like to say, wisdom has a source and creativity has a source and God is that source. So when we're particularly relying on God to create that, um, what, when you're as a, I'm not. I'm not the radio show host. I'm so Rickley. You, 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 <laughs> no, you're. Should. You're doing just fine. You just what, continue. This is why, a great conversation. What? 
how do you steward the healing capacity and the inspiration capacity that you have? And I think you see that and you want that. As an artist, kind of what's the responsibility? Like my resp- I'm not a gifted artist. I'm, I can play guitar a little bit. But I'm not like as gifted an artist. And what is my, what is your responsibility? Maybe responsibility is the wrong word or opportunity to use the gift. What is it that you do with that? Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that I show up. Yeah. You know, because, uh, um, a lot of these concerts that I do are planned for me and I have a responsibility to be faithful to what God has entrusted to me. Be faithful to my family, um, and 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 do the best I can. Like the last place I played was um, out in Oklahoma last weekend, and I just kind of felt a little inadequate, uh, not competent. Getting older, it's more of a challenge, and I needed prayer. I needed help. My wife and our our promoter for the concert, we we gathered in a little circle and. We prayed together and I felt my courage come back into me because, you know, I've been playing, I've been a musician since 1961, 62. And, you know, by the time I was in the fifth grade, I knew I wanted to be a guitar player all my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you start off, you're hesitant and you're growing and you have your, you know, your, uh, you lack confidence. Then you, you grow into a place of confidence and, and it's great. Those are great years. And then you get older and you're wondering, oh, can I still do this? So I think that my adequacy comes from God, as the scripture says. And as a result of facing my own uh, sense of uh, inability, I have to lean on God. And as I lean on God, he fulfills his purpose in me to be a blessing, to be an encouragement, to bring music hopefully some real hope and healing uh, through the process of um, letting my heart, my hands, my voice do what it's been created to do. So, um, like I met some folks who were very, very touched that I came to Oklahoma last week. My, my wife and I traveled there together and and they expressed such gratitude for the years of music I've been making that I go, whoa, this is special, you know. Um, I want I want to be a blessing to these people. And I think I encouraged young musicians to there were some several young people there and their parents would say, um, my daughter or my son, they're getting very interested in the guitar and I want them to hear you. And I said, Well, well, you still want to play guitar? And oh yeah, very inspired, you know, by what you did. So, um, so we're all called to be givers. And so Joshua has a heart to be a giver with mm-hmm. instruments. And with my instrument, I hope to be a giver with the music that I hope brings a blessing. Yeah. Did that? That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so much to show up, lean on God, provide hope and healing via that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because what I've had to do in this process as a ministry leader is become a concert promoter. And I'm mm. like, I am not a concert promoter. <laughs> every day I'm like calling people and like, hey, we've got posters at every guitar shop in Nashville yeah. and things That's like right. that. But it, 
but it is that thing too. It's like, hey, what's my job? I mean, it's so so simple. Show up, mm-hmm. lead God, mm-hmm. uh, and then get friends to pray for you so you have courage to keep on showing yeah. up and leading on God. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I. If you don't mind, if I, if I interject here as the host, I'm going to come back in for just a second. <laughs> I'm I'm loving the conversation, and I, I just had a thought as both of you were talking. Um, both of you are offering kind of different sides of the same coin in many ways. Um, Phil, as an artist, uh, when when musicians get on stage, um, they play and they bring a gift and they give something to people. And I know a lot of us, when we receive that gift of music, especially if we're aspiring on that particular instrument, instrument or if, or if we're a vocalist and we're trying to sing like that um, it almost gives you this feeling of like I either want to quit or I want to go try really hard and do even more you know but whatever a person does that night once once the musician leaves the venue it's up to the person who has received it to do with it what they have been given with that gift sort mm-hmm. of to speak and there's a sense in which Joshua as I'm thinking of hearing both of you speak with instruments of joy when you go to these different places and hand these instruments off in a sense it's kind of up to them too like what they're going to do with this gift that's been laid in their hands that all of us are entrusted with different things in our life and I, and I really like the way the both of you are doing those things, but I have to say, Joshua, and 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 by the way, um, the the young man who you were talking about before that had kind of the broken ukulele type thing that he was playing, yeah. um, we posted that picture the last time you were on this podcast oh. on our website at VoicesInMyHeadPodcast.com, so people could see the mm. before and the after. But my particular favorite part of the story of Instruments of Joy, and and I'm going to let you tell this is. You don't give credit to the people who gave the instrument uh, when you give those instruments away. My favorite part of your story is when you give those instruments away, who do you tell them that this instrument is a gift from? Well, that's, uh, you know, there's that scripture verse that says, um, do your works in such a good way that they give glory to your Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think following Compassion's um, example, one of the things that we decided is every instrument we give uh, we give it in Jesus' name. Right. So that orphan or that you know, musician or the worship leader or whoever it is overseas that gets the gift, they don't know who we are. They, they don't know that somebody pulled a guitar out of the closet or, you know, or, or recorded an incredible album with. Mm-hmm. All they know is that somebody hands them a thing and says, hey, Jesus wanted you to have this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's... Uh, I think that's, that's why good. I think that's why it's actually growing. <laughs> yeah, blessing it. He seems to bless things that uh, give him praise, because that, like C.S. Lewis said, that's the is the only uh, just the whole concept of God is the only being that isn't proud in doing that, because it blesses us to do that yeah. to, to fundamentally worship Him. It does say yeah. in the Scripture, "Let him who boasts boast in the Lord." Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's great that God gets the glory. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. we were created to, you know, give him glory uh, by our actions, whether they're noticeable or unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, this is all terrific, and I, I want to just make sure that our listeners know one more time, uh, especially if they're in the Nashville area or even if they wanted to make a trip to Nashville for this very special benefit concert for Instruments of Joy. It's happening on March 6th at 7 o'clock p.m., and it's going to be at the Springhouse Worship and Arts Center in Smyrna, Tennessee. And if you're interested in tickets to this, you can go to Instruments of Joy. Org, and you'll be able to find out uh, not only how to get tickets, but if you go to instrumentsofjoy.org, you can find a lot more about this ministry. There are so many wonderful pictures on that site, Joshua, of all of the, uh, maybe not all of them, but so many of the people that you've been able to give instruments away to. And it's so wonderful to be able to see what I can only call the joy of Jesus on their faces um, yeah. as they are receiving these beautiful gifts. And I love, too, that you're not just taking some, you know, well, this is some crummy instrument that I don't need anymore. I'm going to give it away. You actually search out instruments that are quality, and if they need some work, you guys actually see that they get the work done on them before they give them away. So this is just a, a really powerful ministry. And I, I knew from the first time I met you and heard about instruments, of joy that any chance I could get in in whatever way, great or small, I would love to to be a part of helping tell people about this beautiful ministry and and I I just think it's a, a gift that we'll continue to give with years to come and so I so thank you for that and I thank both of you for for being a part of this whole benefit and I I just hope you'll um, have a wonderful success now Joshua you and I talked on the phone yesterday and you said at this point you already feel like it's a success because the amount of tickets you've sold, I think you said already you're going to be able to provide something like 40 instruments, I think you had said. We're already, we've been able to fund 65 instruments. So we have 65. donors that pay for a lot of the stuff to cover the expenses of the concert. So 100% of the ticket prices are just able to go into our, our program services at the ministry. Uh, so yeah, so oh. I don't know. I don't know how many concerts are going to happen in Nashville this year, where the mm -hmm. result of those concerts is mm. more than sixty musicians will get an instrument all over the world. Yeah, that it's is. A, it's going to be a special night. You know, uh, Scott, remember Scott Wesley Brown? Yeah, he gave instruments. He'd take instruments over to Europe to play them and leave them there with people. Yeah, what, what a what a generous heart he had. Yeah. And, and has. Um, good for him and. Uh, but, you know, you are definitely doing the work of the Lord by providing instruments to people, Joshua, and your, and your ministry. So we thank you, and it's going to be a great night, March 6th. Be sure to remember that uh, Audrey Assad will be there, Jeff Taylor, and the great Buddy Green. Yeah. Those two Thanks. musicians are classic great yeah. musicians. And uh, their resume would really impress anybody. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's going to be quite a, it's going to be quite a gig. Absolutely. Can I say, can I say one thing, Jeff, about the the ministry? Um, every I I'm I feel like I'm I'm a pretty good example of this. Uh, everything I try to do on my own doesn't do any any good at all. Hmm. The way the Instruments of Joy was started is I said to God, "What do you want me to do?" And He said. This is what I want you to do. Give instruments away. And now I'm doing a benefit concert with Bill Gagey at Audrey Asad, and I'm talking on your radio show. <laughs> We've given out 560 instruments. 
And I think so many times in ministry, as a ministry leader, it is not our job to go be a rock star or try our Mm -hmm. best or to do anything like that. Mm -hmm. Our job is simply to ask God, what is it? What do you want me to do? And then do what he tells you to. And so I, I watch every single day God do stuff that I know I could never do. Uh, and I think, I think, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm, I'm a challenger. Like I, every one of your listeners or, or as we listen to this, what I'm doing doesn't mean anything to you. What, what's important to you is what is God telling you to do? So you ask him and I don't care if you don't, if you don't give me money, I don't care. You know, God's got lots of people funding us and giving out instruments. Every, every 200 bucks we get, we go buy an instrument. Yeah. Uh, and we we get like five hundred dollar instruments for that two hundred bucks because of the relationships and doors that God has opened mm-hmm. up. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if everybody will just take a minute and just say, you know what, what do you want me to do, uh, and then obey God, that I think there would be so much more hope and inspiration, uh, healing and things like that all over the world. We just got to get out of our own ideas sometimes and just let God do whatever He wants to do. Amen. Yeah, well, we praise the Lord for just the really good things that we're seeing happening, and I thank you both for your faithfulness in that. Well, you know what? We're we're getting close to our end of the time that I had slotted today, and I certainly don't want to take advantage of either of your time together. But uh, but Phil, do you have time for just a couple of guitar related questions? Because yeah. I don't I don't always have the chance to sit and ask Phil oh. Keggy about guitar <laughs> stuff. Okay. So, and I think. A lot of our listeners are musicians on this show, and they might be interested too. It was uh, maybe, I think it was three or four years ago, um, I was in the studio in Nashville working on a project with Lifeway, and and we had the the privilege of having Dave Cleveland uh, with us in the studio there. And uh, and Dave, as you know, is just uh, an amazing guitarist, and I know you and Dave have, have worked together quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, we worked together. And, I yeah. respect for him. Great, great well, player, great guy too. Yeah, wonderful player. And somehow it came up. We were talking about your your use of the jam man, and and I think it was he and I that were talking about it. And somewhere in the conversation, I wanted to verify if this was true or not. Is it true that Chet Atkins introduced you to the jam man? Uh huh. It is. Yeah. In fact, uh, our friend Muriel Anderson took me to his house one day. She said, "I want you to meet Chet. You'd like him." I called. <laughs> Been listening to him since I was a kid, and so up to that time, starting in '79, 1980, through the '80s, I was using um, delays to create, you know, short uh, loops. You know, mm-hmm. up to four seconds, I could use delays to create just a real basic loop. Uh, but then when I met Chet and he showed me his Jam Man that Lexicon had developed, uh, it went up to 32 seconds and. It's like, whoa, this is like heaven, you know. Yeah. And I could I could do whole progressions or, you know, just relax and create a, a loop and multiple parts on top of that loop. Uh, and so I play this little piece uh, that I do in A minor. And you can hear it on the beginning of the Find Me in These Fields album. It's, it's just an intro into Strong Tower. And it's got this Chet Atkins kind of vibe on it. Mm-hmm. And I do that and then I... I overdubbed, I punched it in, uh, started overlaying uh, another part over that guitar. And when I was done, he said, Phil, so it seems like this thing was made just for you. <laughs> and I go, oh. And so next day I went out and bought a jam man. And uh, wow. 
And I, I still use the same jam man with my loops all these, you know, 25 years later. I still use the same. Hmm. It's the same model. I mean, I've gone through a couple of them because of wear and tear, but I still use the jam man. I also use an infinity, uh, uh, looper made by Pigtronics. Hmm. Um, and so I have a couple various effects that I use, but, uh, yeah, when I'm in a real comfortable place, uh, I, I use it. I, I've used it in recording sessions. I've used it live on stage. And when there's real inspiration and I feel calm, some really beautiful moments can occur. Hmm. Uh, just don't want to get stuck always yeah. looping and stuff like that. It's nice to mm-hmm. take from it. So I try to, I try to make it special and I try to make it a little bit, what's the word, obtuse? Not so noticeable. Mm-hmm. Some people. Well, that's- it might sound I have a little dissonance towards obtuse, but maybe not. I don't okay, know. what's the word? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When it's not so noticeable, you know. Inobtrusive. Yeah, perhaps just, just a subtle, know. maybe. Subtle, very subtle. subtle. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. So anyway, um, on the other hand, I have great respect for the guitar players out there who don't use any effects whatsoever. Yeah. They're my favorite players, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw Lawrence, Lawrence Juba recently play. I've seen Tommy Emmanuel. And, you know, these guys don't step on pedals like I do. But they have ten fingers. I've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got, got a good excuse. <laughs> but in, yeah. in any case, I don't think I'm going to always be looping. In fact, my favorite moments with the guitar are just when I'm sitting on the couch with it, with not a thing plugged into it, just to hear the pure tones. Oh, sure. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for answering that question because I, I was thinking that was true. And it, it's kind of a fun story to know that, that even Chet Atkins is sort of, you know, part of that story, too, as somebody who himself has been so influent, so influential on so many different um, oh, players. So, and, well, you know, uh, Chet Atkins was great friends with Les Paul, who created the multi-track recording machine, you know. And um, they did, you know, an album together called Chester and Lester. And um, so I, ever since I was in sixth grade, I've been playing with tape recorders. And uh, so I've always felt quite comfortable with la- laying down a part and then playing over it. It's just come kind of natural to me. Yeah. I've done uh, a few albums where they're basically freeform loops, you know, like acoustic mm-hmm. sketches, freehand, roundabout, kind of obscure albums. But, uh, but you know... But one of the things I do want to mention is, as a musician, the difference between dining alone and dining with a family of people you love. Yeah. You know, that's what it is like when uh, I play with other people. See, I, I I go out on the road. My wife is my road manager, and I take my, my suitcase full of pedals because... Mm. I really can't afford a band, you know, it, it just, it just doesn't work out that way. So I have to do what I do alone. Like Brian Duncan used to say, thanks a lot. And don't tell your friends, you know me, I'm out here with my econo band. <laughs> right. It's kind of like an econo band. It's an economical way to travel. But, you know, I think when you get together with your instrument, as you learn to play and as you express what you learn, it's really great to share that with other musicians. Other musicians help us grow. They could learn mm. from us. We could learn from them. And the fellowship and the, and the beauty of what can be created together as you uh, collaborate 
It's it's yeah. one of the blessings of life, just like what fellowship is. No one yeah. really. We we need our alone times, but we need our times in fellowship and community and sharing together. And I I love it when, as a youngster, I I learned so much because I sat just within a couple feet of my friends who played guitar too. We taught each other how to play parts, you know, and play licks, Mm -hmm. chords, and show me that chord. I never saw that chord before. Yeah. All that good stuff. So, yeah, so I wanted to emphasize that as well. Yeah. Well, that's terrific, and I, I appreciate you just sharing that story with us. I, I think anybody who has has got to hear you play live has has really benefited from that. And um, I've I've become a looper myself since uh, over the years. I use an RC three hundred that that Boss makes and uh-huh. have all kinds of fun with that. But uh, the the kind of things you do are are just out of this world. But uh, again, I do love seeing you play with a band as well because I there is something about the the give and take of that and uh, I've appreciated your ministry and music over the years you've just uh, done some really wonderful things for those of us that aspire I still remember being in high school and uh-huh. sitting in my room with crimson and blue and trying to you know <laughs> trying to play all those great songs John the Revelator and the oh, different thanks. riffs that you had on there and just the way it influenced me over the years so uh, oh, thanks, we, we we so appreciate what you've done uh, over the years well, guys, this has been just a real treat for me, and I know for our listeners as well. So I just want to, one more time before uh, we sign off together, I just want to remind everybody to go to instrumentsofjoy.org, where you can find out more about this wonderful benefit concert that's coming up on March 6th at 7 o'clock. And I also want to encourage our listeners to go to Phil Keggy's website, and wherever you stream music, uh, whether it be Spotify or Apple Music, got a lot of great music out there that you can can get a hold of. Uh, I find myself uh, turning on the album Jammed pretty frequently whenever <laughs> I'm running, uh, and because it, it's got such great guitar <laughs> grooves on it. So thank uh, you, thank great you. stuff. Hey, well, also guys, check check out the my Keggy's Garage on my website too. It's a Bandcamp thing, so you go Bandcamp slash Keggy Phil Keggy, and all right. you'll come across Keggy's Garage, which has. So many things to choose from, and uh, we just put up the 1985 album, Getting Closer, with nice. an extra disc with bonus tracks and outtakes and alternate mixes and everything. And that's pretty fun. I wanted to make one last uh, comment about bands. Yeah. You mentioned it's you like hearing me with bands. I've played off and on with Blues Council, which mm. is Kua's band with Will McFarlane and Tony Hooper and the, and the other fellas, uh, Tom Lane and... Um, uh, Tony uh, Morrow on drums and Emil uh, Emmedine on percussion. Just incredible uh, band. Uh, and they did a, uh, an album not long ago. And there's a tune on there called Poverty that I think people should listen to that Tony wrote, Tony Hooper wrote. So check out uh, Blues Council. I think you could probably find it on Spotify or iTunes and whatever. One of the plug for them. It's great. Yeah. Tell us one more time your website, Phil. Uh, is it just philkeggy.com? Is that the <laughs> easiest way? Okay. Uh, yeah, and it's Great. K-E-A-G-G-Y. Great. And we will have links to all of these sites on the website at voicesinmyheadpodcast.com. So for now, thank you, Joshua McLeod and Phil Keggy. It's been wonderful, and I appreciate you being some of the voices in my head this week. Thank you. Hey, man. Thanks, brother.
thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.